0: Gavin. hey Louie. um surprise bitch <laughs> <laughs> why have you called this meeting <laughs> i call this what's the the society for like secrets and teenagers Mid- the midnight society yeah is that yeah. the yeah yeah the, the m- society for secrets and teenagers correct that's correct. The, that's what i call yeah. it <laughs> Are- are you afraid of when it's no longer light? That was the con- <laughs> that was the off-brand version I yeah. grew up with. Hi, everyone. This is The Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast in which we take a film subject, such as an actor, director, or a mini-genre, and we give you a full history, and then we talk about what's good and what's not so good. We take those reviews and we'll mix them up. But not this time, honey. No,
1: no, no, no. Gavin, I've called you here today because as you know, I've been a busy little bee during this pandemic. You have. And how many episodes ago was Mandy Moore? It was like three. Mandy Moore was two
0: episodes ago, I want to say. Yeah. Or three. Three.
1: three because, right? Because yeah. Yeah. Um and whatever.
0: So- we're 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 sober. Yeah, we're sober. It's <laughs> fine.
1: Um as you, if you listen to our Mandy more episode, you will remember that I particularly was um, taken by the movie American Dreams, correct. Um, and also, if I don't know, you have stalked me on the internet, you might know that I sometimes do some journalism things, and I, uh, I, I really just wanted to read and write more about American Dreams, and I thought. The most interesting character to me was the character of Omar, who is played by Sam Gulzari. and I thought, what a gag, because obviously I was like, I'm never gonna fucking talk to Mandy Moore, like you know, <laughs> but I was like, I wonder if I can find Sam Goolzari, like what is he up to, Where, what what's his deal? And so little old sneaky Veronica Mars me just typed his name in on Instagram, and I found him on Instagram, and I just DM'd him. I just I, I literally slid into the DMs. So I just said, hey, I'm a journalist uh, and I I would love to talk to you about um, American Dreams for a story that I would like to write. Literally had no, I had not talked to an editor. There was no, like, there was no, sk- my kind of gig right now for doing these things is like, I'll do the reporting just because I want to. And then, you know, if, a rep- if an editor or a publisher wants it, like, I'll write it up for them.
0: Um, I I have said many times in my life, if you want to do the work, sometimes you got to make your own. So yeah, absolutely, ab-
1: absolutely, Gavin. It, literally, I was like, guys, it's kind of really easy to do journalism. You just have to fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now more than ever, I mean, I, I I literally DM'd this guy, and surprise, surprise, a couple weeks later, he uh, messaged me back and said, hey, yeah, I'd love to jump on a phone call and um, talk to you about this. So what you're about to hear is an edited form of that conversation. Um, I and so you might hear some me like typing away. Um, oh, also, I mean, the biggest thing, obviously, I told you, Gavin, I was recording on my computer as I was talking to Sam And I realized my levels were so low and I was like, something has gone awry and I don't have the bandwidth to figure it out. So I just whipped up my phone and started recording my phone. So it might sound different. It's not going to sound as good as our normal episodes. Um, And literally you're going to get like, it's 10 minutes into our conversation. So you didn't miss much um, or you won't have missed missed much, but um, we had just kind of talked about, he said, you know, that the movie was um, made uh American Idol was like at the peak of its you know, fame and popularity. So everyone thought that American Idol would be like the ticket in. People would want to go see this movie. We talked a little bit about uh satire and Paul Weiss, who he says is an artist and such a great guy. Uh Paul Weiss, who was a director um, who And writer. And right, yeah, and he had made about a boy. He had a lot of uh cultural cachet to make this movie. And we talked a little bit about in the, in the conversation about, like, how Universal was like, yeah, here's some money to make this very fucking weird movie about, uh, you know, satirizing the war in 2007, where literally, or 2006, I'm sorry, where literally, you know, that was a time when all these war movies were coming out. Um, and he had this great quote that is not in this conversation. He says, if satire was on its last legs, then it's absolutely dead now. Um, because we... Mostly, I was mostly just thinking about, you know, this movie hits different now. It hits different watching it now because as ridiculous as the movie is, the world we're living in now is somehow more fucked up and crazy. Yeah, it's beyond parody. Yeah. Uh, so this is my conversation with Sam Golzari. He's a UCLA theater graduate. Um, and his first audition ever after he graduated was for American Dreams. And he got it, baby. Um, the, the sentence that you're going to hear going into is he's telling me a story about how he had gotten a script for another movie that was starring, um, Justin Long and he couldn't find his character in the script anywhere. So he showed up to audition and at the audition, they hand him a different script and they're like, all right, ready to go. And that's where
0: we start. And just a heads up before checking out this interview, make sure to go watch American Dreams on HBO Max or any other way that you want to rent it, because this interview contains spoilers.
2: And then I get the oh, this is what happened. They gave us the name of that script, and they told me the name of the character. And I go in the script, and I don't see this character anywhere in that script. So I just show up, and they're like, okay, so this movie, they gave me the sides right there, and they're like, okay, here are the sides. I we'll do the audition in 10 minutes. And they're like, oh, and by the way, it's a movie with Hugh Grant, Dennis Quaid, Willem Dafoe, Mandy Moore. And I'm like, I've never. I mean, <laughs> I get a. I I had done a, sleep commercial at the time. Okay. I had I had done a Universal Studios commercial where I'm the third guy back, boy. Like, <laughs> and I had been on some TV show, uh, as the waiter with like one line. Yeah. So I, so my thing is I got the size and I just really, it wasn't being, I just went in there and did it. And the, the casting director actually said, man, that was really great. Uh, you don't look Middle Eastern, really. So if we're going to call you back, we're just saying, you mm-hmm. don't look Middle Eastern. Kind of getting me know. Right, right. And so my mom at that time, just randomly just decided to take a makeup class. She's, And so for the call back, my mom darkened me up with some makeup. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is I have a background in singing and music and like as a little kid I grew up doing Michael Jackson impersonations at like 4 and <laughs> I make music, I'm, I'm in a band so dancing and singing is some like the character really in a way was like I was the one person that could really play that role right. the innocence that he had like this, the joy of the music and like I went in and I had just gotten done with UCLA and I had friends who were in the musical theater department. So, when I went in, like some those dance moves that I was doing in the film, some of them were just straight out of my audition that, <laughs> that me and my friends put together. And I went in and I met, and the, the crazy thing was I did the call back, and then I had gone to London to visit family, and I got the call to, you got the call back. So, I flew back. Wow. It was like this, it's, like, it's really exciting. I flew back, got met with Paul, had the audition, and it was just like, it just, like, it just, I felt so confident. I felt so, just, so, and Paul was just, Paul is a very sweet, gentle guy, like a really good guy. So I did the audition. We had a great conversation. I told him about my, my family escaped from Iran when I was three during the revolution. So I told him my story and I did the audition, sang and acted and it just really flowed. And then also at that time, I had a friend from UCLA that was working in, At at Universal. Mm -hmm. And so he wasn't working like in the casting. And so he would call me and say, before that, dude, they really liked you. (laughs) So then, then, like, two hours before my agent called me, he called me and said, hey, you got the role. (laughs) And so for me, it was just unbelievable, like, unbelievable to like all of a sudden being, I mean, I'd trained. For years, I was confident in my acting, but the fact that all of a sudden I was working on this major film on a project that I believed in was really an unbelievable gift and gave me the opportunity to work for years and, you know, and gave me the best start. And it's one of the best experiences. Like working with Paul, I really learned so much. The one thing that was awesome was they they let me be on set every day. So... Of all the actors, my character had the most shooting days. Even though, like you know, there's all these big yeah. yeah, name stars, my character was the most. So, every day that I wasn't working, Paul would let me come on set. So, when they were doing the, all the the White House stuff, mm-hmm. they actually shot that on the um, West Wing set. Oh, cool! That's the West Wing. Amazing. Office. Yeah. So I got to go there every. I wasn't called, but they would let me come. I'd be watching the DT, I'd be watching how everyone's working. Paul would really invited me in to see the process. So to me, it was I learned how to the filmmaking process and how to work in film. Cause I'd never really done it to that point. Right. So it was an
1: unbelievable experience. Unbelievable experience. Um, so you mentioned, you know, you in many ways you were this character, you know, like you had you've checked every single box of, you know, Omar. Um and what when you're reading this the script? I mean, and I've seen interviews with um, you know Mandy Moore and, and other people saying, you know, I saw I read the script and it was just so funny. Um,
2: well, for me, I read the script, and the first thing that, that was clear to me was that he was actually the only real. If you want to talk about like having good, like goodness, mm-hmm. or like like a, a, like a a good heart, really, he's the only one. Yeah. Everyone else has all, 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 alternative motives. Every single one. Mm-hmm. Mandy does. Hugh uh, Everyone had like some kind of alternative, and they might have changed. Right. But he was the one guy that was just good and like had a, a good heart. And so the fact that I saw that, because I'm, I'm, self, so I'm even if it was the beginning of my career, I would not have been open to doing roles that I felt were. Portrayed militias and negative I love. That. like if it, I would I rather not do a film than do something that I, right that I felt was disrespecting my heritage. That's like I remember when I was first starting, I was wondering should I change my last name to well It's not even that difficult. But like should I make it something more? I said no. I'm I'm really I want to acknowledge who I am and and
1: represent right. And as time has progressed, it's become more accepted too. Right. We have, And what's wild is, like, you even said, though, at the beginning, they were like, you don't look Middle Eastern enough. And so, like, there's always, like, the double... I mean, I get that all the time. Like, people say, like, you don't look Mexican. And it's like, what is that? You know, what are you supposed to do? (laughs) You
2: know? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, I love... I really just fell in love with the character so much. I fell in love with the character. And coming from a theater background and, like, studying theater and understanding the history and nuance of, like... Um, dramaturgy, like I, I read the script and I understood what Paul was attempting. Right, I wasn't to me. I wasn't just seeing as a funny film. I understood the underlying things he was getting at. So I just thought it was a fantastic script, and just and just it was. It's one of those things. Even at the time you're reading, it, you're like, wow, like that's crazy that he's. They're making like the fact that anyone gave them money to make this film is at the time, just, was like, This is crazy! Yeah, yeah, this, this movie could have done so many different ways, have been so much more mainstream.
1: Mm hmm. And it just keeps turning at the end when the homeboy, yes, blows it up, I, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I had no idea. I guess I'd forgotten how, like, I was like, How are they gonna land this movie? How is it gonna like finish? Yeah, and the blowing up, I was like, oh my God. Um, and, and you're totally right. Like I, that he had the cachet to convince Universal to make this movie wild. Um, and, and especially at, like again, at the time, I think Hollywood was making a glut of these, um, Iraq war, proud to be American, rah, rah, rah movies, you know, yeah. like George Bush literally had just, you know, said, yeah, we're going to go after Iraq and Afghanistan, Al Qaeda, 9-11. Like it was all just wrapped up and we were all supposed to just like kind of, you know, support the troops and XYZ. Um, and it's like in the middle was just like this one little movie, um, American dreams. Um, and, and what's funny, you mentioned it before I even got to it, thinking that like I was thinking today, Omar really is the only one who is, he's like the most normal. Everyone else is so, um, flawed. And not because of their circumstance, whereas Omar is flawed because yeah. he has, you know, he, because he, um, his cousin, you know, got him into like the, the camp with the other terrorists or whatever. Like that's, but his heart is truly like, you know, pure as opposed to everyone else who like literally this middle American girl who has everything in the world she wants, you know, but is, I mean, there were some lines that I caught today that she says, um, you know, Tweety, I'm not sexually attracted to people, but you can have me if you want me. And I was like, holy shit, like there's so much psychological stuff yeah. going on with all these characters. Um, totally. When, so what was the actual, um, can you tell me about like, I love the the dynamics between your character and like these other, um, I guess they're just kind of nameless, faceless uh, quote, terrorists who want you to blow up the president and martyr yourself. And then like the flip of you getting to LA and hanging out with, um, Omar's cousins and, um, parents. And they are just fully LA theater geeks. I think, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, Iqbal is this maybe one of the funniest characters in the movie who is a full Broadway nerd, um, and is trying to like get you to, win one, but also wants his career to blow up as well. Um, what was that like to kind of go back and forth between, uh, you know, the stereotype cliche Middle Eastern characters and then kind of going into like these more American Middle Eastern characters?
2: Yeah. Well, the one the interesting thing was with Shoghra Oblishti, who played my aunt in it.
1: Yeah, she's incredible.
2: I actually, growing up here in L.A., her husband, her husband Husheng Tozi. they do that for years had they would write and do their own plays here in like different theaters in LA mm-hmm. and big crowd prison you know and to be like in Farsi mostly and so I grew up seeing her plays wow with her husband and met them as a kid growing up and so I was already had like a somewhat of a relationship like she didn't know me but I knew her and right it was, and, and their stuff was always funny and always fantastic. So, like, getting a chance to work with her was already just so, just was so cool. Like, for me, like, working with uh, Tony and Noreen, they, even when we were not, I think we, let's start here. The first thing we ever shot was the scene in the mall where we're walking around and they're buying expensive sunglasses. So, that's the first thing I ever shot on a major film. Mm -hmm. First time being on a major set, showing up, going into the makeup. And Tony, Tony is that big character. Like he is such a larger than life character. So in a way, they kind of, even when we weren't shooting, I don't know if they were just having fun or but they kind of weren't those characters in a way. Mm -hmm. And I kind of was... (laughs) Omar in a way a fish out of water quiet checking everything out being very gracious to everybody Mm. so it felt like the dynamic between the three of us felt kind of like the dynamic between those characters and then when we were doing the well the things the terrorist camp stuff was the last thing I shot Mm. so that was so by that time it was like the last day we did all the terrorist stuff I didn't really have a like an emotional connection to that but the scenes I had with the terrorist crew, actually, like, the experience was very relaxing and nice because Bernard and those guys are just so sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so as for, like, for the character and, like, for me, it's hard when I'm working to, like, I get so, it, it's when the day of the scene, I'm so involved in just what needs to be done. The big picture stuff I kind of do before we start shooting. I kind of see the arc, so I'm in it. I'm just kind of moving and intuitively moving with the, with the with the shooting schedule. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's funny. but the the terror stuff was really relaxing and nice because they were just nice and relaxed. And then the stuff with my with my cousins was always high energy and a lot of dynamic. Like they, I was always. Really, acting off of their big energy.
1: Right, right. I thought it was funny is, you know, so at the beginning of the movie, we see Omar being a, quote, bad terrorist, you know, keeps fucking up, or, you know, can't do the things. Um, but straight away, we see, I mean, even seeing that as like, as, a, as an American person who maybe doesn't know a lot about the Middle East, and all you see is like Al-Qaeda, like bad terrorism things. But then seeing someone fail at being a terrorist it automatically yeah. humanizes, like, you know, like, it's like, oh, this isn't a scary person. That's so true. It's like a human. And then, even, yeah. and then to like take it even further, Paul decides to like have this camera crew who are recording it. Um, and it's like these camera crew terrorists who are literally acting like a Hollywood director and calling cut in yeah. places. And it just immediately takes like the knees out of like, you know, the, or the legs out from underneath, like, oh, this is not going to be like every other movie and depiction of uh, uh, Middle Eastern people. And I just thought it was, you know, so refreshing because I think even today it's hard. I think a lot of people still expect the very one cliche type of thing when you see a Middle East um, city or a town or whatever in a movie, right? And uh, I, even throughout the movie, you see um, the, the main terrorist guy, he starts enjoying the show. Everyone back at the camp yeah. are enjoying the show. Yeah,
2: they're, like, they're like wiping their eyes. Yeah. The, the,
1: the hard song. Yeah. And then also, like one thing, I hadn't thought about that. It's interesting you said that about
2: the, the camera crew. Because the other thing to think about is the bomb. is A bomb has a button, a red button on it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, bomb right but here it's like it's a
1: press here to explode yourself i think is what it said
2: yeah it's like it, that, that that connects to that it's kind of like the 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 camera crew where you're taking these things that are really scary and really t- t- like twisting it on your uh, on its head it's really yeah, I, I, I wasn't conscious about it at the time now you can talk about it it's a really smart way to to just kind of for pur- Per- pervert the whole
1: experience. Yeah, because even even the whole idea that like you know oh this guy sucks you know why is he here at the terrorist camp and then the guy is like oh my sister's cousin blah blah it's like even like the nepotism of Hollywood and that type of stuff is in there. It's like <laughs> that's true. It's like Paul is shitting on you know this American patriotism, but then also like the Hollywood system and American Idol. It's and 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 the president. It's like there's so many interweaving things. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, you know, obviously the movie comes out and it doesn't do well. Like, I think it maybe made the budget back, um, but it really didn't make like a big splash. What was your experience, you know, when it came out and hearing, um, you know, maybe, I think the reviews were, I would say, mixed. I saw, like, if you Google it right now, it says 81% of people like this movie. Um, But then, you know, there are people who, um, reviewers were, who were just like, I don't think a lot of people got it. I think that there, there was not a taste for this type of movie back then. Um, mm-hmm. and also the marketing was so crazy. When you look at the, the trailer for this movie, it's like, what is this move? Like, I don't know what to expect yeah. to see it. Um, I think they were trying to sell it as the like Mandy Moore and the hot guy singing and the president's here for some reason. Um, so once it comes out, like, w- what was that like for you? And, and were you disappointed or? Um, tell me about that. Well,
2: I, me- I remember, I, well, there was a couple of really amazing moments in that we got to go to South by Southwest with the film. Cool. So I, I got to go there and Paul was there and Dennis Craig was there and we showed the film and it got like, people were like, lo- this great response. We got up there and talked a little bit. We went out afterwards and... Uh, Dennis had bought like kind of T Bone Steak, and I was like, I don't know what that is exactly. And he gave me some clarities of mistake. <laughs> steak, and I got to travel like. And then we, uh, after they did like the, the test screenings, people really responded really strongly to my, my character and Tony's character. So, like, we they flew us out to New York to do the press, I got to do the press junket. So, like, c- going and then like the, the screens we did, just people were loving it. So, that, like, that. Like going up to the film was fantastic. And then the opening night at the Grove here in, mm-hmm. on Third Street, mm-hmm. um, I find, and I think the whole the theater, maybe 70% of the theater was my friends and family. We went and I saw the family with this packed house and people, and my friends were like falling, like literally like falling out of their chairs and laughing. So for me personally, like the experience of being there with my friends and my family and them seeing that work I did, that I was very proud of was, was a, was a huge success for me, right? And then when the, then the, the next, like, after the weekend when the, the, but the film didn't do well, Paul called me immediately and he said, I just wanted to know that, you know, I, that I spoke with the studio and they loved the film and they backed it 100% and they still support me in what I want to do and I support you. You did a great job. And I mean, the, the, there was like this idea like people were telling me, you know, after this film comes out, you know, your life is going to change and you're going to be a star and this and this and that. That didn't happen, but I wasn't, that wasn't really, like I, I got to do more work after and, and I was proud of the film and still the years after, people respond, contact me about that film and what it meant to them and how much they loved it and the fact that I, my friends would, Hit me up from Paris and show me the billboard in Paris, or I'd be in London and someone be like, "Oh yeah, you were in that film," and talking to people about the film. So, of course, I mean, my perception is, especially now that I've worked in this in film since then. That was my first film, so whatever that is, fifteen years, like this the amount of things that are going to blow up and be huge is actually a very small amount of things. Mm-hmm. What's the most important thing is to be able to be proud of the work you did. I've done things that did better in the box office, but not necessarily that I believe in that project as much as I believe in this. So for me, there's, there's no complaints or I see no negatives for me because for a person with no experience, well, no, you know, film experience, the amount of life experience I got, the fact every day being on that set, um, the places I got to travel and the people I got to meet—it it was, to me, it was such a
1: gift in my life. Really, There was like it, it changed my tra- the, tra- the trajectory of my life. Um, maybe like one last thing I want to talk about is you know there's that there's the song "American Dreams" "Dreams with Z," um, which to me I I think of. Do, do you remember there was like DiGiorno or one of those pizza companies came out with wings and yeah, it turns out that they needed legally to have it say wings because they weren't real chicken wings. And all yeah. I, all I could think of now watching this movie was like, these dreams are fake. They're not real dreams. And there's that moment yeah. when you and Mandy Moore have this scene at the hotel. It's before the finals and you kind of get to see some humanity in her for the first time, you know, and how, yeah. uh, she, You know, she talks about how she was overweight and she said if she didn't lose the weight, she was going to kill herself. And so she did it. And she, and she asks you why you're doing this. And, you know, there's, it's, it's this one human moment. Then she like snaps back and she's like, I'm going to crush you, but goodbye. Um, yeah. And it's, I don't know. I, I, I guess my, what I'm trying to like figure out or, or I want to uh, really make this piece about is just how this movie, you know, was, Kind of throttling this idea of, you know, we, we were stuck in this like romanticism about war and sacrifice. You know, you see Chris, um, I forget his last name, but the, the soldier character, he goes off to war and, and then gets his shot. And he like, you know, is this big badass student. It's like, dude, nothing fucking happened. Um, and so there's like this romance that I think that was reflected back to us because I think for a long time, I remember when I was in college and high school, everyone was all about the troops and like the war and blah, blah, blah. And there was no real, like, there was some culture of, like, you know, American idiot and fighting back against George Bush. But, like, we never could have known that it would get so much worse just 15 years later. You know, that idea of uh, romanticizing patriotism and being so blind um, for chasing the, quote, American dream. Um, and and in the end, it's truly all fake. Um I don't know. I guess I wanted to like ask you about your thoughts on that. And if you, you know, it's kind of, I guess you said you've watched the movie a lot. No. The
2: thing is, I definitely like, well, I want you to finish, but just so you know, like what you're saying is already making me think of a whole bunch of like, it's, I have thoughts on what you're, on all these things you're saying. So. Was it? Did you want to finish your thought? I didn't want
1: to throw. No, no, yeah. It's just kind of that idea and what you perceive like, you said you haven't seen it in a while, but you have seen the movie, and just how you think this movie reflects today, you know, thinking about the world we're living in and maybe these past yes. four years. Well, the first thing
2: is talking about that, Ameri- like the American dream. The thing is, in a way, my family lived the American dream in that. We escaped from Iran.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: My dad was a doctor, was a urologist in Iran. My grandfather was a chief of police of the a, of a city in Tehran, mm-hmm. in the section of Tehran. We come to this country, we escape, right? We get here illegally. My grandpa, my grandparents get asylum, but my parents and myself don't. So we're here illegally, We're and my dad has to do all his stuff, tests again. He can't just become a doctor. He has mm-hmm, to right. do the residency. We go to Brooklyn, to the Bronx, the one place I would take my dad, because it was during the awesome Austin situation. Mm-hmm. He does his residency. He had been working at a donut shop. My grandfather was working as, as a security guard in, in downtown. Wow. His job was pretty much, it would be middle of the night. It would be this lot. He would go to a phone, say, I'm here. He would do his, his rounds, come back, go to the phone and say, I'm still here. Wow. <laughs> so so they and so then from there my dad gets his residency gets becomes a doctor here starts his practice makes a life has a home has an op, has his business has a family you know we live in westlake village this beautiful suburb my grandfather opens up a restaurant for 15 20 years he has his restaurant it's a it's and so we lived this american dream in a way like and Interesting thing was as I went to college and I started growing up and I started understanding the world more and I would come home and say, you know, America's doing this and this wrong. My parents were actually offended because no America gave us so much, right? Right, right. So so I have that, and then the film itself was a dream to me. And the crazy thing is that last song that I sing my way, right? Mm-hmm. So I grew up big Frank Sinatra fan, yeah, <laughs> singing his standards. So I'm singing that song. And then I'm kind of dressed like this kind of Prince Michael Jackson outfit. I used to do Michael Jackson impersonation, <laughs> right? And then behind me are pictures of my mom and my family. And that's Those are really me in those pictures. Wow. While singing this song, my, my mom was there on set that day. It was like I was living every facet of my dream that they seen, that, performing that. So for me, that scene, that final scene of, of for Omar was my dream. In a way, it wasn't the American dream. I never liked the, the American dream. So for me personally, this film as a person outside of the context of the film itself, it was that for me. I wanted to be an actor and since I was 16. I was working on this film with these, with this crew. So that's my experience of it. Right. So mm-hmm. it was really, and I know that like the experience my family had and I had, is not the, is not the, what most people experience. And I think, if you look at the film today, in a way, and also kind of what Trump, make America great again, is like the dream has been the, the dream was destroyed and we have to bring it back. Mm-hmm. Lost Americans right now. The idea, like I remember, when I was a kid. To me, Ronald Reagan was the hero. I remember in sixth grade singing proud to be an American and, and, and pee, whatever, in an right. assembly, and like tears rolling down my eyes, I thought we were the good guys, you know, as a little kid. Most of us thought we were the good guys. Yeah. And as you grow up and you start understanding the complexities of, of everything, and I think America in general, like, we've lost that innocence, or we've lost that like, where now we're arguing over the Star Spangled Banner, you know? Right, right, So yeah, I think the film like you said, it's, it's, it's been really interesting to see it now because in a way,
1: it was a precursor to the death of the American dream, mm. you know? Yeah, and it's funny because the, the you have this great moment at the end when uh, Dennis Quaid's character loses the earpiece, right? And he says, you sound great, and also, I'm sorry. Like, literally, he is able to... He's like, we're never going to figure it out in the Middle East. And I just want to say, I'm sorry. Ever, ever, ever. ever. Yeah, ever, ever, ever. (laughs) And he says, I'm sorry. And then just that to me was like, wow, imagine if a president ever apologized for anything that, that the government did. And then, but then it's, you take, your character takes it one step further and he says, I sincerely hope that's not the case. And you guys have the handshake. And I was like, holy shit. Like, you know, the American Middle Eastern, like relations, like I in my head, I was like, if more people had seen this, I wonder if it would have, like, cooled temperatures down a little bit. You know, maybe we, people wouldn't be too fucking crazy about, you know, uh the war and patriotism and Al-Qaeda and whatever, because it's truly so simple. Like, these are just two regular humans who yeah. are, you know, put in a spot that they represent so much more. Um And in the end, it's not, and I just thought about this, it's not the Middle Eastern guy that martyrs himself blows himself up it's the u.s veteran it's the military guy from the u.s who does it um and so yeah although that stuff is um is so i the the layers to this movie to be uh, really are moving and incredible to me
2: yeah i mean you you reminding me of that scene with with the president and and omar's like yeah man like, I want to go back and watch it. Now. Like I, I, feel moved just through memories. It. Like, that, that is a really moving moment. It is, and, and, and at the moment it was just a, yeah, I felt it in the moment. But it's, it's been, it's been, it's been long enough where I, I, that I, I can have an emotional reaction to the film again instead
1: of just right. Oh, here watching is again. it. Yeah, it's on yeah. HBO Max right now. Um, and. Yeah.
2: Well, I ha- Yeah, that is true. That is true. I did get a
1: residual for that. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny, and um, I was going to say, oh God, my train of thought has lost me out. You talked about, uh, you know, the the precursor to the death of the American dream. Oh, that was it. Like, in my head, I was like, oh, this movie is such a cartoon. And then I was like, but it's not really because when you think of the last four years, especially, and so it's just weird. This movie works for me, so much better now just because we have really seen how like crazy politics and patriotism can get. And at the time in 2006, we thought things were wild, but like I think the distaste people had for movies about war and Iraq and Afghanistan, um, it was just too like sensitive. It was too, you know, like we don't want to go there. We don't want to think about it. We don't like it's just out place, out of yeah. mind. And then now it seems, especially with, you know, technology and media. Um, it's all in our face all the time, and so now it probably would be more shocking to me. I mean, it was more shocking to me to see the movie now because uh, uh, it's it's so real. Uh, every, everything, you know, we're we're beyond the peak of American Idol. Um, we are, you know, be, we're way beyond what we thought was a quote bad president in George Bush. You know, in in terms of. Unbelievable. And, and and that's just, it's just like it's really really wild and um and yeah. so yeah and and so i just want to let you know like that's that's where my head is swirling and that's where i kind of want this piece to go and just talking about how american dreams um is this movie out of time and and makes so much more sense um today than it ever has before and it's that's so true it's kind
2: of like when you see these movies where they so they try to depict the future, yeah, and then you watch it in the future, and you're like, "Oh, that's how they thought this was right. going to be." All right. <laughs> so it's, it, there's, a, there's a charm and there's an interest in seeing that, like watching Blade Runner and seeing, "Oh, yeah, that's how they thought space would so travel." Right. In, in a way, this kind of does that in a way. You get a sense of with the, the you after knowing the, the, the trajectory of where we've been and kind of getting a sense of how we were commenting on it. It's not even that long ago. So yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's really intriguing.
1: Um, that's all I have. You know, I, have, I wrote down all these notes, but we basically hit everything. Um, I just think it's, you know, such a funny and interesting movie. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're still very proud of it and that people, um, you know, love it as much as I do. And, um, yeah. And I feel so clear on what this
2: film was to me. You know right. And so in a way it was, it was a gift to get that because maybe i wouldn't have thought about it as deeply if I hadn't, right. I knew intuitively
1: that I connected with it, but. You either were in on the joke or you weren't, um, you know, and Paul, and it seems like all you guys, I mean, there's that great moment when they make a joke about Mandy Moore and they cut, or no, not about, about Britney Spears. And then they cut to Mandy and she's like, mm, mm. and I'm like, <laughs> holy shit, this is so good. <laughs> Um, you know, and talking about like white trash and how it works for Britney Spears. I, I, and so like, again, if there's a moment in the movie, like you have to get that trigger of like, Oh, they're in on the joke. And we're all, you know, like thinking on a higher level than just, you yeah. know, all the reviews I were re- reading about like, Oh, he's this terrorist that wants to vote the president. I was like, do you guys not see what's going on here? Like there's clearly so much more happening. And, and I think it's because, uh, I don't know, like, there was not enough mirrors up back then to, like, actually look back Mm. at ourselves. And so it was all just like, oh, how can you... This is regular, normal, middle America life. And I'm like, no, he named the town Paduki. It's a joke. Like, (laughs) this is all a joke. Um, Yeah. And and I don't think also people were ready for Mandy Moore to be, like, that villainous and evil and, you know, cutthroat. And people just really didn't get it and were either, like... To, like the conservatives, obviously, were not going to like it because they're skewering, you know, patriotism. And then if you're a liberal who didn't, you know, get the joke, all you're thinking of is like, oh, how harmful and like distasteful this is about, you know, um, Middle Eastern people or whoever. And uh, I just think that this, this movie is way more nuanced than and, than both yeah. of those takes. Um,
2: yeah. But happy that I got to connect and we got to do a quick like This next, it's, it's really great. I'm really, really, happy we got to talk.
1: Yeah, like, me too. I, I mean, even just personally as like a fan, I, this has been really rewarding because, uh, you know,
2: man, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And, and it's funny because right now I'm getting my masters and I've gone and I'm, am starting to write, so I'm getting cool masters in screenwriting. Oh, excellent. So I, so because kind of like what Paul kind of taught me too it's like. I want to tell the stories that I want to tell. Yeah, And so it's so great because I started being more analytical and critical about s- scripts. And I've gone back and started like looking at films that I loved growing up and looking at them in this new, more critical eye. But it was so great to talk today and be able to think about a film that I did.
3: Yeah,
2: Because I've never gone back and looked at it critically like you have. It was just an experience. So hearing the way you saw it, And kind of that's where I've been in this semester of looking at films in this way. It was really just kind of rewarding, exciting to think about, oh, you know, I'd be so cool to bring this film to class and have people do the work that we were just doing, you know? Yeah,
1: because it's like, I think, again, people would have thought the movie would be, like, dumb, you know, falling and, like, little things here and there. But, like, and it is dumb seeing a, quote, terrorist dancing in the middle of a tent. But, like, it means so much more than that. It means, like, you know, this is a human being. And, and, you know, seeing... There are all these layers to it that I just thought, you know, there's there is more to this movie, and I'm um, hoping, yeah. um, you know, other people will see that too. Yeah,
2: well, it's a real pleasure, man. Yeah, Stay same. In touch. For and sure. Good luck with everything over there, and keep me posted.
1: All right, too. thanks. Good, good luck to you, you too. Let me all right, goodbye. All right.
0: Oh my God, Louis, that is a really excellent interview, and I I just love that you. He threw caution to the wind and you got it. And you know, he well, what a good, nice guy to sit down and talk to you in a very candid manner.
1: Yeah. He was so nice. I loved all the, first of all, I was really like kind of like emotionally taken by his story of his family and his parents. We got like towards the end talking about his American dream, his family's American dream. Um, and, and peeling back the layers of what this movie is. Um, and so I should have said this before, but like if you should pro- go out, watch It's on HBO Max, like I was saying yeah. in the interview. Um, so the movie is available to you guys if you want to watch it. Um, and I don't know. I this is I, I was deeply, weirdly obsessed with this movie when I watched it. I have watched it uh, three times since our um, uh, our episode for many more and uh, in preparation for this conversation with Sam. Uh, so I don't know. Join us. Uh, joined me in this weirdness, in, in obsession with this weird um, American Dreams movie. Um, and thank you, Gavin, for letting me. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I, I texted Gavin. I was like, Do you think our listeners would want to hear this? And I was like, I love bonus content. Bonus content, and see, you know, if we if we did if we were a Patreon gang, this would be a Patreon bonus situation. But we absolutely are not. Um, Because that seems like what? A lot of work.
0: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Also, it's the holidays. So like, I don't know, this is a gift or whatever. You just can't exchange it for anything else. You really
1: cannot. (laughs) Do not ask me to slide into any other celebrities DMs. This was a total. um, I I don't know what this was. This was me being very. Stalker. Stanny. I'm an American dream Stan.
0: Also, I'm no longer allowed to slide into Chris Evans DMs. Yeah, legally, legally, legally.
1: Um, before we go I do have to think I was listening back to the interview and I was like I literally did not ask him once about what it was like to um, work with Mandy Moore (laughs) <laughs> did not i was more interested about talking to him about you know going to see theater. what it was like
0: to work with seth myers y- yes exactly <laughs> the, the
1: icon the legend uh, but yeah thank you guys so much for listening and we're gonna Absolutely. have a regular episode coming up soon um which is going to be our best and worst of the year
0: but in the meantime if you want to find us you can tweet at us at at the mixed reviews or on facebook just type in the mixed reviews you can email us at reviewsmixed@gmail.com. at gmail.com We're also on Instagram, the underscore mix underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to us like you have been doing, feel free to subscribe to us on a multiple of podcast platforms. There's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and so many more, even Audible even audible even audible and if you listen to us on apple Podcasts, make sure to stop by and leave us a five-star rating and write us a little review and we'll take that review and we'll read it on the show thank you guys so much and we will
1: see you in 2021